0: Amazing Grace Kona, welcome you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. We pick up in the letter of Paul, what he wrote from prison to the church at Galatia, chapter two. It says, "Then after an interval of fourteen years, I again went up to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking along Titus, and I it was because of the, a revelation." that I went up and I submitted to them the gospel which I preach amongst the Gentiles. But I did so in private to those who were of reputation for fear that I might be running or had run in vain. But even not even Titus, who was with me, though he was a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. But it was because of the false brethren who had sneaked in to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ, in order to bring us into bondage but we did not yield in subjection to them for even an hour that the truth of the gospel might remain with you. But from those who were of high reputation, and Paul says, what what they were really makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. But while those who were of reputation contributed nothing to me, but on the contrary, seeing that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, to the Gentiles, while well, Peter was... Entrusted with the gospel to who? To the Jews. He says, for Paul writes, he who effectually worked for Peter in his apostleship to the circumcised also effectually worked for me in my apostleship to to the Gentiles. He says, and recognizing the grace that had been given to me, James and Cephas, that's another name of Peter's names, and John, who were of reputation to be reputed to be pillars, gave to me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship that we might go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. And they only asked us to remember the poor. The very thing Paul says, I was eager to do. But when Cephas came, it says to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For prior to the coming of certain men, james certain men from james i'm sorry he used to eat with the gentiles but when he came and began uh, he, he began to withdraw and hold himself aloof fearing the party of the circumcision it says and the rest of the jews joined him in, in hypocrisy with the result that even barnabas was carried away with their in their hypocrisy it says but when i saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel i said to cephas in the presence of all if you being a jew live like the Gentiles and not like the Jews. How is it that you compel the Gentiles to live like Jews? We are not Jews by, uh, he said, we are Jews by nature, not sinners from amongst the Gentiles. Now, just so you know, was Paul a Jew? Yes, he was for sure. But he says, nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus, even we believed in Christ It says that we are justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, since by works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But if we while seeking to be justified in Christ, we ourselves have also been found sinners, then is Christ a minister of sin? He writes, God forbid, may it never be. He said for If I rebuild what was once destroyed, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law that I might live to God. And I live, he says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. This was a running debate in Judaism. Could you do enough good works? And if you anyone here friends with any Jewish folks that, you know, a lot of the ones that have been steeped in the Jewish upbringing will especially come time of their new year. They will try to do more good deeds. They, They call it tipping the balance. I mean balance of, like uh, you know the old scales that sat on a pivot where you had the little baskets one on each side or the little trays that hung, and they they believe that if you do more good works and put them on the one side the good side than the bad works that you do in a year, to where it's positive you're you've got more good than bad then you're in with God. They really do teach this, by the way. There's a very strong works mentality of, I just need to make my goodness outdo my badness so I can have God's favor. The problem is, how many sins does it take to separate me from God, according to the scripture? One. So I don't care if you've got a hundred good things on the one side and one bad thing on the other side. One sin, just one little sin. It doesn't work, does it? Not in God's sight. You're not righteous. Because that one sin will still separate you. And Christ did not come... To tip the scale, he came to pay for all the stuff on the bad side. He came to get rid of all of those things in Christ. He he didn't say, I'm going to just cover your sin. He said, I'm going to remove it. Remember when he took the cup at the Last Supper said, this is a cup of a new covenant in my blood. This is for the remission. Now, the psalmist says, he removes my sin As far as east is from the west. How far is east from west? It's infinity, right? You go, Lord, forgive me. He goes, done. He's not saying I covered your sin. He said, I got rid of it. Now, I don't know about you, but I really like this part of the gospel that Christ came to remove our sin. He came to get it taken care of. When you first learn that he removes your sin, He says, I forgive you. And he doesn't say, I forgive you, but I won't forget. That's not the forgiveness the Bible teaches. When the Lord forgives you, there's another psalm says, he casts your sin into the sea of forgetfulness. Don't you like that title? Never, it says, to be remembered again. When you say, God, forgive me, he goes, done. And he throws it into the sea of forgetfulness. And he's never going to bring it up again. Now, I've shared that sometimes I might get the guilts and go, oh, Lord, I'm back. Sorry about, you know, I I know I asked you before, but I just want to make sure we're straight on this. Could you forgive me, you know, for the thing I asked you to forgive me for earlier today? I'm really feeling bad about that. Listen, guys, there are a lot of Christians today that are stuck. It's like they're paralyzed. They did something wrong. They've gone to God and asked for forgiveness. And yet they never seem to realize how complete his finished work is, how much he says when he says it's done, it's forgiven. You do not have to keep revisiting that thing. In fact, a lot of Christians are stuck. They're not even moving forward. And the devil loves to use our past mistakes to paralyze us. But Paul, Paul actually declared his mistakes, not in the form of condemnation I feel con- condemned because I made these mistakes but instead he said that's what I did and that's where I was but this is where I am now this is where God has brought me to this point and God was working a work to bring Paul out of that persecution place that he was into a light where he could be freed from that and because of that Paul began to understand something that we all really need to understand, the grace of God. There's no way to earn salvation, guys. It says here, it is a gift of God. All you can do when it's a gift being offered is take it. You don't get to earn it. They don't go, we have a gift, but you're going to have to earn it. 80 hours of work, and then it'll be yours. That is not a gift. That would be wages. God says, I want to give you a gift. Now, the Bible says, unless we be like a child, like a young child, we don't really receive the things of the kingdom of heaven. Because, see, when God says, I want to give you something, and we act all adult about it, we're like, what's the catch? What do I have to do to get it? And God's going, "Um, be like the kid. Here, let me demonstrate. Here, kid, would you like this? Whew, the kid takes it. Now let's try it with you, adult. Yet we go. Um, what's the cat? What do I have to do? Do I have to just take it? Quit being so adultish when it comes to this thing. What is the most important gift ever offered to man? The gift of salvation. The gift of for all the for all of your sins being forgiven. It's just a gift. God's going. I want to give it to you what do we have to do receive it and we have to set an example to our children that we can be humble enough to receive things what god wants to grant to us because there is nowhere in the bible where it says you grow up so much that you never have you've outgrown receiving you earn everything from now on that's pride by the way that's the pride of man When men like to say, I made it myself. I'm a self made man. I earned everything I have. Okay. Can you earn salvation? No. And yet, do you see here in Galatia, they were being taught to be circumcised in order that they could enter in and get the full package deal of salvation. Paul went, That's wrong and even peter now jewish culture were jews allowed to eat with gentiles if you're a true jew you weren't supposed to be eating with non-jewish people they they have a very strong belief that when you partake of a meal together that the food that's on the table and you eat of that pe- from that same piece of lamb and the other people at the table eat of that you are all sharing the source of strength one common fuel it's going into my body and going into your body therefore they believe we become, well, this we're strengthened by the same thing. We have a, a commonality. We become one, so to speak, because of what we shared. And so they don't believe in sharing with the Gentile because they were told to be separated from the Gentiles. Yet, Peter was up on a rooftop. He was there at the house of Simon the Tanner, and And we read about this in the book of Acts. And and God lowered a sheet full of unclean animals. It was about the noontime, it says, the meal was being prepared. And God gives him a vision. He lowers a sheet from heaven and in it is filled with every kind of unclean creature. And the Lord tells Peter something. He says, arise, Peter, kill and eat. What was Peter's answer to the Lord? By no means, Lord. How do you put together in the same sentence? No way, Lord. Lord means you're the master, the governor of the universe, the commander of my very being. I follow every command you give, except not this one. So what happened with the sheet? It's taken up into heaven and re-lowered. Let's try this again. Reset. Three times he makes the sheet go up and down, up and down. Brings it down. Let's do this again, Peter. We gotta work on something here. Arise, Peter, kill and eat. No way, Lord. And it says, then up went the sheep. And Peter was pondering, what is this all about? Now at that very moment, some men came from the Italian ruler of the of the Italian cohort, Cornelius, knocked on the door the servants of Cornelius that were sent, and they said, Is Simon Peter here? We were sent because our boss had a visit from an angel who said to come get Simon Peter and he would preach to us the way of salvation. So we're here to get him. And while Peter's up on the roof going, what was that all about? God spoke to him and said, Peter, what I call clean, don't you call it unclean? And so the Spirit of God spoke to him. You go with him. You go with those men without any misgivings. I have an assignment for you. So he went and he gets to the house and Cornelius has gathered all of his friends, his family, the Roman soldiers under him and said, we're all here to hear what God has told you to tell us about the way of salvation. Go ahead, take the floor. And all of a sudden the light came on because we read the words. They say, I now most certainly understand that God is... No respecter of persons. That any man who fears him from any nation is welcome unto God. When Paul wrote the book of Romans, he said, salvation is first to the Jews, but then to the Gentiles. Peter was now being let in on the secret that he didn't know. Being raised Jewish, he just thought it was all about him. I'm a Jew. God goes, I'm a little more inclusive than you guys. I picked you first because you were the least I picked you because you were small. I picked you because you didn't have anything going for you. And I picked you so that when I did great things, people would say, it can't be because those Jews they are like little twerps. They don't really have it together. And when the miracles happened, you know what the enemies would say about the Jews? It must be their what? Their God. It can't be those little guys. It's their God. See, God picks the underdogs. He does marvelous things. And people go, I don't think it was because of the little guy. Must be their God. So who gets the glory then? God. And God did that for the Jews. But the Jews kind of got full of themselves and thought, we're picked because we're great. God goes, no, you're not. In fact, I picked you because you're nothing. But I picked you to be an example. And I'm also picking them. Salvation would come to the Gentiles, and Paul would say this would become a great mystery to the Jews that there would be a, a season, a time, the time of the Gentiles, in which salvation would be extended to us. This wild branch that would be grafted into the natural tree, the natural olive tree. Now, the Jews, by the way, are the natural olive branches, and Jesus said, Don't get stuck up, you Gentiles, either, because if God would snap off natural branches and graft in the uncultivated branches because of their unbelief. What about us? What if we quit believing? So only by faith I'm grafted in. I have to stay in that faith. Very important. But I cannot take that faith and add to it any other extra and think now I have earned the gift of God. It's not available for earning. It's only available for receiving as a gift. And Paul says, Peter used to eat with the Gentiles. Right? Remember after this? Oh, I forgot to mention. He preached to Cornelius' house, and all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost came down on this whole group. And he went, wait a minute. The Gentiles have the Holy Spirit. If God gave them the Holy Spirit, I guess we have to baptize them. I love how this whole thing unraveled, you know. And then, and then, oh, this is the topper there in the book of Acts. Then it says he stayed on with them for many days. How do you stay on with a bunch of Gentiles without having a meal? See, he you don't. He ate with them. And he came back to Jerusalem and he continued to eat with Gentiles until the men from James showed up and said, Wait a minute, you're supposed to not... You know we're Jewish. And so he withdrew. And Paul said to him, Wait a minute. You're making an error. You God showed you that... What he called clean, don't you call unclean, but now by your very actions, you're calling the Gentiles unclean because you're withdrawing from eating with them and eating only with the Jews. You're acting like you're better than them. I got a question for you. Do you think we have any application of this same situation? Maybe that's where certain groups withdraw from eating with other groups and they think we're better than that group. We don't eat with them and or we don't eat those foods. God did not intend for food to be a thing what we would stumble and keep and separate ourselves from one another and act like we're more holy or less holy because we eat or we don't eat. My holiness comes because of what Christ did, not what I put in my mouth. Jesus said what you put in your mouth passes through your stomach and out the backside and is eliminated. And it is not that which you eat what defiles a man. Jesus said, it's what comes out of your mouth that defiles a man because the things that come out of this thing come forth from the heart. And we need to be more concerned about the heart than this outward junk. But our society is so outward oriented. They judge everybody by right away what they're wearing on the outside. They don't even get to know the person, what they're like, what their character is like how do they treat other people? They don't ask that. How many lives did that ruin? All because of somebody focused on the outside, not the inside. Paul had the same problem in the Church of Galatia. They had focused on the outside. Circumcision, by the way, is the cutting away of a man's foreskin, the private parts. You talk about really making a nitpicky little fight. I mean, first of all, who's supposed to be looking? And what? The, why are you making this into the thing that is makes you holy? Right? The Jews are like, we're holy. We had our foreskin cut off. And the Gentiles are going, oh, that sounds bad. You need to be like us. And they're going, no, thank you. But they made this into a spiritual teaching. Like, you must believe in Jesus and be circumcised to be saved. Faith plus a work of the flesh. And listen, this is a mistake that has been repeated throughout Christianity that we need to take note on and say, let's don't do that again. It is not faith plus some work of the flesh that makes you right with God. It is faith in Jesus, period. All the other things what we do, the good works we walk in, maybe you help the orphanage, maybe you visit a widow, maybe you took care of an orphan, whatever you might have done, Those are just good works that God prepared for you to walk in from the foundation of the world. They are not to save you. They're just things that you do after you're saved because of love. Love changed your heart. And how we treat one another needs to change. We cannot be going on and we cannot let the devil win in this. When he tries to get people to divide over races and cultures and things, that should not be the issue. We need to preach the gospel for what it is. Paul And I am amazed. You are so quickly deserting the faith which we delivered to you, the faith in Christ. But do we have it happening today? We have whole sects of Christianity that started off believing in Jesus and have added extras. Paul said, if any man should preach another gospel to you other than what they had preached in the beginning, let them be accursed. That is not a really nice thing to say. But he's calling it like it is. Do we have false teachers teaching this falsehoods? I say, let them be accursed. Those teachers be accursed. Not the people that they're teaching it to. Let the people that are being taught that be freed from that. Let them hear the truth that all they need to do is receive the gift. Let's go back to what the gospel really is. Good news. Good news. God's got a gift for you. It's called salvation. Would you like it? Would you like your sins forgiven? Now, if you've never asked God, give me that gift, if you've never received Christ into your heart, I want to extend the invitation to you that you could. It's a free gift. It's the most glorious gift there is. Now, if you'd like, you can receive Christ as that gift, and you get everlasting life. If you don't know how to do it, just pray with me. It's very simple. All you have to do is go to God and just say, God. I'm a sinner. Something like this. Dear Lord, I'm a sinner. I confess my sin to you and I ask you to forgive me of my sin. And I ask you to have Jesus come into my life, come into my heart and dwell with me that I can have that, your gift of salvation. Grant that to me this day. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona. Thank mm-hmm. you.